It's such good shit. So what are we gonna do to play this in? Well, he just went dead silent, so I don't think he's got a plan. Oh, I have no plan. I guess I'll start the show. Uh, welcome to episode four of Such Good Shit, a wrestling podcast. Uh, every week we get together and talk about the things that make wrestling such good shit. Sometimes that means we also talk about the things that are the drizzling shits. Uh, this week we are doing things a little bit different than the last few episodes. Uh, we're going to start off with a recurring segment we do called Wrestling Archaeology, where the three of us dive into a specific time frame or specific topic and dig up some gems for you. Alec, let's start with you. What did you dig up for 2008? Oh, shit. It was 2008? I'm going to be honest here. I had 2005. So Again? Didn't we just do 2005? Look, 2005 was a big year, so I can either save this for when we come back to 2005, or... Well, I'll save it. No, Let's jump around a bit. Let's go to 2005. <laughs> I'd, like to, I'd like to hear this. Yeah, I mean... It's it's not necessarily a hidden gem because it happened on a WrestleMania, but I do think it'd be important to call attention to the fact that Big Show had a sumo wrestling match with a, a sumo wrestler. I forgot his name Didn't already. It, I just uh, Aki Bono. earlier. Aki it Bono. was Aki Bono. And it was something. It was two big hosses just banging their big hoss bodies into each other. And it was... <laughs> Vince McMahon must have really loved it. Wasn't the whole thing a rib? He's like, oh, yeah, they, that's they, a huge pal. Yeah, let's look at Big Show's taint. That was the rib. <laughs> it was a rib on the audience. It was a rib on everybody. Yeah, so that's, that's so 2005. Uh, I'll, I'll get a 2008 next time, or maybe whatever year we're doing. <laughs> what time. if you're just a every week? A year you, you could just be a year behind. It takes me a little bit longer to get going. Oh, boy. Okay, well, speaking of taking a long time to get going, uh, my gem is is kind of a doozy. Um, so, just a quick poll of the uh, the hosts here. Who do you think had their final match in 2008? Uh, do you want an actual answer? Do you want... I think Jimmy Snuka probably... <laughs> Didn't he uh, wrestle in the Royal Rumble? That's a good uh, one. No, right? Snooker, Snooker wrestled in 2009 at WrestleMania 25, Whoa. actually. Oh, yeah. I didn't know he was a part of that. Uh, he was in that Legends match with um, Jericho. Sure, yeah. Snooker, Piper, Mickey mm-hmm. Rourke, right? And uh, Steamboat. Yeah, who could actually Jericho. wrestle really well at the time. But didn't because some weird reason. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, take a guess. Who, took, who had their final match in 2008? Because I guarantee the answer will shock you. Uh, well, I know it's not Ric Flair. You've got me stumped here. Sugar Shane Helms. What if I... What? Shane Helms wrestled in the Rumble, like, last year. Uh, what if I told you... What if I told you it was the Ultimate Warrior? And what if I told you his last match took place in Spain... I've and what heard if, this. And what if I told you his opponent was Orlando Jordan? I've heard all of this. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> so I'm going to try to paint 
Orlando Jordan being the the very same Orlando Jordan from JBL's cabinet? The very same. The one that wrestled in TNA and wore like caution tape as an outfit. Yes. Holy shit. So I'm going to try to paint the picture as best I can. Um, and you can find the this on YouTube, the entire match. Uh, I will put a link to it on our Twitter and our Facebook. Um, real quick, cheap plug for our Facebook and our Twitter. Please uh, look for us. Such good shit pod. Anyway, uh, Orlando Jordan comes down to the ring first. He's got this random woman with him. Uh, I don't know who she is because there's no commentary on the match on the video. Uh, this was a professionally produced um, live event, but I'm guessing when they came to recording it, they didn't televise it. So Was it another member of JBL's cabinet? Jillian no, Michael, I didn't recognize or... her. What was her name? Joy Giovanni. No, that was not Jillian girl. Hall was in the cabinet. Jillian Hall. She was also was in the Jillian cabinet, Hall. yes. That's who I was thinking. Uh, no, it wasn't her. It was just some random, really tall lady. So anyway, Jordan comes in the ring and whatever. Some random music plays. It's the Warrior. He's obviously not using the WWE music. It's a weird ripoff, knockoff-ish of it. He starts hobbling to the ring, and already you're like, oh, man. Um, it's watching him try to run to the ring. It's very it's sad, and especially in the context of today where we know what happened to him, you know, six years later. But he like hobbles to the ring. He gets in there. He climbs the four torn buckles. Takes forever to kind of show off to everybody. At one point, he gets his little kids in the ring, and that's the thing that he did this for was uh, to show his kids and his wife, "Hey, this is what I used to do." So I respect that. I understand that. I did that myself uh, a few months ago. I had my last hurrah. So I get it. But man, like. It's it looked rough. Look, I'll he say looks, this about the guy. He was still absolutely jacked to the high heavens. He was, but he was his cardio wasn't there at all, like at all. So the match is just it. And it's 20 minutes. Oh, God. The match why? itself is 20 minutes. I don't know. Wait, has he ever worked 20 minutes in his life? Uh, Hogan at Mania might yeah, have been close to that. He, he's um, but that was. Anyway, it was just slow. Not a lot happens. Look, Orlando Jordan does his best to carry it, but Warrior is winded from you know the bell, and which isn't surprising. He, yeah, always he was, was winded from the bell in the eighties, so. right? But this time he was you know, winded from doing nothing before the bell. He wasn't even running at that point. But uh, it's just bad. Very basic maneuvers are being done. Lots and lots of clotheslines. The, the final move, the finish, is just a series of, you know, the clotheslines he would do where he'd bounce off the ropes, give the guy a big clothesline, go off the other side, give him a big clothesline, right. and then he'd do the warrior splash? Yeah. Well, what if I told you all he did was gave him, like, three of those clotheslines and then just sort of fell down on top of him, and then that was the finish? Seems I, reasonable. Yeah, was, I yeah. believe it based on so. the rest of this. <laughs> I've seen, unfortunately, too many icons of wrestling hobble to the ring with, mm -hmm. uh, you know, something going on and it being really sad. It's been a lot of that going on in my generation. And even even without the context of him dying in 2014, it still was really sad. Um, so that's, yeah, that's the gem that I yeah, got. Thanks for 
starting us off with a downer. Well, no, that's why I had you go first. And then you gave us Big Show's ass. Yeah. All right, Andrew, what do you got? All right. So in 2008, a Canadian film was produced uh presumably by high school students i think it's really hard to tell uh it's essentially a knockoff of harry potter that's essentially the entire movie it's called the mystical adventures of billy owens this movie has a 2.2 out of 10 on imdb with 273 ratings i remember Um, this I have been told about this before. (laughs) Please continue. So the first user review that I see on here just says amateurish in every aspect, not watchable. The reason that this is valuable to wrestling context in 2008 is that the Dumbledore-esque character in this film named William Thurgood is played by Roddy Piper. Oh. Roddy, oh man! And when you watch the movie, it kind of, sort of seems like they didn't give him a script. They just told him what the movie was about and just let him cut promos. <laughs> <laughs> and he just cuts promos at a bunch of eleven-year-old kids who have no fucking idea what's going on, and they use the first take, and you can tell. <laughs> uh, There are several instances in this film where he starts rambling incoherently about a bunch of mystical goddamn nonsense. (laughs) It makes makes no fucking sense at all. And I think it's important to point out that this is one year removed from him being a feature player on Always Sunny. So it's kind of a big fall from grace in the acting uh, career. It is... the the effects in this movie are worse than Mortal Kombat Armageddon. Oh shit! Ooh, that's a uh, low bar. That's why I said it's hard to tell who made this because the effects are bad enough that like I would have done them in my animation class in high school, and I don't. It it's hard to. There's not enough information here for me to figure out the budget and how Roddy Piper got involved <laughs> and how much they <laughs> to do this. Like I just don't know. Piper passion project or something like i don't know who funded this or how this came to be given the budget i wonder is one of his kids in it maybe um unless do any of his kids not share his last name no i mean they wouldn't have used his stage name they'd use his his wait you mean his kids names aren't something piper Yeah, it doesn't look like any of his kids are in this film. I have no clue okay. what's All going right. on here. Maybe Roddy owed somebody a favor. I mean, if if you ever get a chance, definitely look it up. Um, it's fucking unbelievable. Yeah, I'll watch some. I'll give it a I'll, shot. Um, I'll, I'll put I'll a link to. I'll put a link to the trailer. I know I've seen the trailer before on YouTube, so I will uh, dig that up and I'll uh, post some links to that. So, listeners, you've got some homework to do. Uh, you need to go watch the uh, Akabono Big Show match from WrestleMania 21. I'm going to need you to go watch that Ultimate Warrior Orlando Jordan gem. And uh, go ahead and treat yourself to the uh, at least the trailer of whatever this Roddy Piper Harry Potter thing is. 
the full movie is available for free on the Roku channel. And also Tubi, oh. if you have that ungodly monstrosity. I mean, if you have Roku, you probably have Tubi. <laughs> like, whatever. <laughs> Hell yeah, brother. Wow. Well, let's, uh, from the lowest of the lows, let's transition to the, the top of, of wrestling. Um, so this is something that we talked about uh, when we were conceiving the show itself uh, a few weeks ago. And we, uh, we finally figured out how we were going to do this. Um, we're calling this uh, the top prospect for 2025. So what we're going to do is kind of go uh, forward facing a little bit and try to figure out via a 32 person bracket who is the top person in the spring of 2025. Um, so what we've done already is we've done some of the hard work and we have created the brackets um, for this tournament. Alec, you want to go ahead and explain how we came up with the brackets? Yeah, so we we selected what we believe to be the top 32 candidates for that number one spot. Um, there was a lot of uh, mudslinging and name-calling, and a lot of backroom deals were cut, but we were able to come to a consensus between the three of us. Um, and based on sort of an average rating and agreement, we were able to cut and add and maneuver, and we got the top 32. Um, so with that being said, Matt, I think we're going to go ahead and step through and sort of go, uh, match by match, right? Yeah. Uh, so let's go ahead and go down the entire first round bracket first, just so everybody knows what we're dealing with here. Uh, and then we can start going match by match. Um, we also will post an image of this with the show uh, on our Twitter and our Facebook, so you can kind of follow along as we uh, as we go through. Uh, so the first match in the first round uh, quadrant here, Roman Reigns and John Moxley. Uh, behind them, we've got Britt Baker and Adam Cole. Then we have Seth Rollins, Sami Zayn. We have Bianca Belair, MJF. Cody Rhodes, Becky Lynch, Austin Theory and Adam Page, Braun Breaker and Matt Riddle, Jungle Boy and Darby Allen, Kenny Omega and Finn Balor, Hook and Montez Ford, Rhea Ripley and Bailey, CM Punk and Brian Danielson, Gunter and Wardlow, Sasha Banks and Bray Wyatt. Kevin Owens and Johnny Gargano. And finishing it out is Drew McIntyre and Miro. So, Roman Reigns, John Moxley. Let's uh let's break this down. Well, and before we and we, we can we can cut this if uh it doesn't make any sense, but uh, do we have uh names for some of these matchups? I've got a few kind of in the I I the don't chamber. But if you wanna if you wanna unleash those, go for it. Yeah, I think uh, this first one, the best I could come up with is these are A plus players. This is the A plus uh, matchup. Okay. There's probably some sort of shield pun to be made to <laughs> brothers in arms. I don't know. Oh, oh my god! All right, so look, 
Roman Reigns right now is the tippy top guy, right? I think we all agree on that. Everyone is acknowledging our tribal chief. Hell yeah, brother. Um, but we're also looking forward to 2025. You know, we're two and a half years from now. Uh, you know, do we still think he's the tippy top guy? Or at least is he higher up than John Moxley? I guess really is the question. Um, you know, right now, John Moxley is not at Roman's level. Do we see either Roman falling or John rising up uh, in the next two and a half years? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you'll notice kind of right out of the gate here, uh, we've got some brutal, brutal round one matchups. So mm-hmm. we didn't do one seed versus 32. I mean, we've got randomized aggressive matchups in round one. There's going to be some great people who are going to get eliminated. There's going to be some dark horses that are going to make some runs. I think Matt, you kind of hit the nail on the head where the only thing that's going to knock Roman down and prevent him from moving along here is the question of his longevity, uh, you know, nearly three years from now. Um, It's hard for me to envision a world where you go from champ for 700 straight days to, not at least featuring heavily in a WrestleMania potentially main event, if not marquee matchup. I think he's going to be an important player in WWE. And I don't think that you lose inherent charisma and uh, microphone skills, even if he's not working all the time and his in-ring work takes a little bit of a hit. Um, So I had sort of scored each individual person based on a few criteria and Roman Reigns got my second highest score overall. He was a nine and a quarter out of 10. Um, and I don't see that dipping much more than a point or two. So I, I still feel good about Roman here. I, I, I don't really see any negatives outside of the potential um, withdrawal from everyday wrestling. Yeah. I mean, Roman is, is the absolute tippy top guy in the entire industry right now. I think we've kind of already established that in previous episodes. Everybody already thinks that that's a public consensus. He's the best uh, sports entertainer wrestler in the world. Uh, but I will say that that big question mark of his longevity is important. I don't think physically you have to worry about Roman Reigns being at the absolute top level that he's at right now for at least another five years before you actually see a decline. But what we know is that Roman is not interested in continuing to wrestle full-time and be that main of a star. Now, the question really is, is that part-time schedule similar to what we're seeing now, where he's just not on every single week, but he pretty much wrestles at every single pay-per-view in a marquee match? And Which is still a full-time AEW schedule, let's point that out. Exactly. Yeah. That, and mm-hmm. that's what's important, is, is what we're seeing right now from Roman, what we should be expecting for the next three, four, five years. Because if that's the yeah. case, then it's not really a question of competition. But if he drops those belts, is he going to go away like John Cena for six months? Or like Brock Lesnar? Because how valuable is he going to be at that point outside of popping a rating and doing a big match at the big show? Is he as valuable to WWE or any company at that point? But you bring up Brock Lesnar and it's almost like is Brock Lesnar. I mean, he's probably one of the top 10 most valuable wrestlers on the planet right now, even though he only works twice a year. 
Of course. I think Roman is, so then it becomes a question, even if we're discounting him, how valuable is his 50%, you know, it's probably, is it enough to beat Moxley? Sure. But how valuable would Brock Lesnar have been without a Roman Reigns behind him? Actually carrying the ship doesn't matter. Sure. It's just, I, I suppose my point is, is Roman a tough pick for 2025? Is he going to transition into part-time schedule, putting guys over? Whereas it feels like, you know, in terms for John Moxley, like he's just getting started and he's going to be steering the ship, so to speak in AEW for probably three, four five years, however long he really wants to. You don't, there's nothing to indicate that he's planning on slowing down. Yeah. I mean, I think if we're not going to advance Roman, it's going to be more of like a praise on Moxley than a knock on Roman, at least the way I'm looking at it. Right. There's, there's not a whole lot of cons to Roman. Um, I I think you guys have both said everything there is regarding Roman. Uh, Just really quickly, I'll just say, I don't think he's necessarily going to have the same schedule he has now. But I don't think he'll be at a level where we go, oh man, Roman's not performing or he's not around enough to be important. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's transition Should to Moxley. Um, I think Andrew's right. I think Moxley is going to kind of be steering that ship of AEW for the next few years. But I don't know if he's going to be doing it much beyond the next two Right, because Mox, look, Moxley's been wrestling a long time already, and but the guy loves it too. He's one of the crazy ones. That's true. He's going to be kind of one of those Terry Funk guys that just does it until he physically cannot do it anymore. Um, and I would, I would guess, you know, if he's still in AEW, I mean, he's, look, he's not going back to WWE anytime soon. As long as he's in AEW, he's going to be in a top prominent spot whether or not he's the champ or not, you know, he's going to be a, a featured person. I just don't know that even at that point, let's, let's devil's advocate. Let's say Roman goes to a Brock Lesnar schedule. So he's very part-time and Moxley continues to be at the level he's at now where he's the guy week in and week out. I still don't know if that beats yeah. Roman. Is he still, does he move more merch than Roman? Does he move more tickets than Roman? Does Moxley have merch? Probably. It depends on the platform. I mean, what you got to remember is, I mean, John Moxley will wrestle for basically anybody, but he's not going to not wrestle for one of the big two companies because they're paying too much money. But it's also a question of how big can the AEW platform, like I don't know if being the top guy in AEW can get you into the top three to four of the WWE guys. I think that's a question we're going to have to wrestle with a little bit as we work down this bracket for some of the AEW people where it's, I think for Moxley to really advance here, you have to believe he's going to go to WWE. I mean, there's a potential for that when all things are said and done. Do you think he can get the upset staying in eight? I don't think so. I don't think he can be more impactful than a 50% Roman unless he makes the jump back. I'd agree with that. And I don't mm-hmm. see him making that jump in the next five years. I think it's, I don't know what his contract length is. I would imagine he's mm-hmm. probably locked down for a while. I don't, I, he's not in any rush to go to WWE. 
even with the new regime that's in charge, he's in no rush. Yeah, I mean, he's, for all intents and purposes, the tippy-top AEW guy. And I don't see that changing. Which I, I think right. answers kind of what you were getting at earlier, which is, I, I think there's a clear projection for Moxley, which is he's going to be even more prominent in three years than he is now, and you can't say the same for Roman. The question is, at what point do they intersect and Roman is sort of lost enough and Moxie's gained enough to where, and I don't think that that moment's going to, I don't think that moment's it's 2025. So, so tricky is that Moxley will, you know, pre, could presumably be seen as the tippy top guy in the pro wrestling community, but Roman just goes way beyond that. The, the gap between pro wrestling and where WWE actually sits is just totally different because there's just so much, just mainstream sports entertainment media that WWE entirely encompasses that no other pro wrestling touches. Mm-hmm. And Roman is the top star of that. So you got a point there. Yeah. And it's not just the platform. It's also in some ways, the production makes it easier to enjoy the WWE product a little bit too. Like I do think it gives people the vehicle to have more impactful moments um, not just a visibility thing, but the presentation, the cinematography, all of that gives me warm and fuzzies more, you know, in WWE. Matt, you, what do you think? Vote time? I think it's vote time. Um, I, I'm going to go first since I didn't uh, say too much. Damn uh, on right, this one. keep it that way, buddy. Wow, okay. Uh, I'm going to go with Roman. That's it? No explanation? Uh, what? What do you want me to do? You're, I, you're I, in a few words, apparently. I thought my explanation was what I said earlier. No, that's fair. That's fair. I just don't think Roman is going to decline enough to lose uh, to Moxley. To lose to Moxley, I don't think Moxley as high as he's going to get in the next two years is going to be high enough to supersede right. where, where Roman's going to be. Mm-hmm. Andrew, uh, I despite the conversation i'm still going to go with john moxley my reasoning being that i think the ceiling for moxley is as high as the platform that you can put him on and roman has already hit his peak um so i had mentioned earlier that i used a scoring methodology to sort of rank all these people um i based it on four categories and obviously it's subjective but i'm going to try and go by the numbers here on my votes and you uh, unless way more someone scientific makes, unless we someone were. makes a compelling enough argument to you know put my heart in front of my head but I, I basically graded all the wrestlers on their promo ability um, psychology in the ring and that also encompasses believability in the ring work rate and uh, innate charisma moxley scored really highly on the promo and charisma portions but based on my rant a few weeks ago I think y'all can conclude that his psychology and work rate weren't really at the same level as Roman, I uh, had two full points under Roman, so I'm going to go with Roman. All right, so Roman advances in the uh, the first one here. So now this is a fun one. We've got Britt Baker versus Adam Cole. Andrew, why don't you start off on this one? We're calling this one domestic violence. Wow. <laughs> well, these are both insanely talented and entertaining people. Um, Positives for Britt Baker. I mean, sort of similar to what I just said about John Moxley. The ceiling for her is as high as a platform you're going to put her on. Um, She 
has only room to grow upwards and she's already the best star in AEW. If she decides to stay there, she's only going to continue to prop up that division. Um, but I do think that she would benefit from obviously leaving AEW, moving on to WWE because uh, right now she's having to prop up a division where she has so much room to grow. And I think that she should go somewhere where she can grow. Um, that being said, that doesn't really discount her talent at all, that she's staying at AEW and helping that division grow. Um, Adam Cole, for example, or for instance, just left WWE. We don't expect him to go back at any point, and I think that's the biggest downfall for Adam Cole is what Vince wanted to do was certainly a lot worse than what he's doing in AEW, but unfortunately for him... Triple H now taking over, he would have ended up probably benefiting from sticking around. And now he's kind of stuck in a sea of people that are uh, getting more TV time than him. And a lot of them are better than him in general. Um, and I just don't know how he digs himself out of that in the next couple of years. Yeah, I, kind of going piggybacking off what you said. Britt Baker right now is propping up the AEW women's division. And I think AEW is limiting Brit, not the other way around. Um, her going to WWE at some point, I think it's inevitable. And I think we're going to see how big of a star she can possibly be once she gets to that big stage and starts having matches with, you know, arguably the top women. I was not even arguably the top women in the industry. Um, Cause right now, She's got some of that, you know, like Tony Storm and uh, she Athena. doesn't have all the paints to paint the masterpiece yet. Right, right, right. She's Working got a few limited. a few colors, but not yeah. not the whole rainbow. And Adam Cole is kind of the opposite to where AEW is holding him down. And until he goes back to WWE, he's not going to be all he can be the, you know, the, the Adam Cole that he should be the Adam Cole that we saw in NXT. I think we've seen shades of it in AEW, but it's just, he doesn't feel like as big of a deal. Um, as he was. And I think that's the platform that's AEW, And so, and like we said, I, I don't see him going back to WWE anytime soon, but Brit, I, I could see her jumping ship sooner than later. It, so uh, I don't want to get too caught up on the AEW versus WWE thing. I do think that we are talking about a, you know, they're in a romantic relationship together. And so I think it's unlikely that one would go and the other wouldn't follow. So I think maybe that's important context to keep in mind. Um, <clears throat> I guess starting with Brit, when I sat down and I, and I tried to score her and really think about the things I liked and disliked about her, there wasn't a whole lot of dislike, period. Uh, she actually was just outside the top 10 for me on this list. Whereas I compare that to Adam Cole, and not to make it more about disliking Adam Cole than liking Britt, because I, like I said, Britt was just outside my top 10, but I just really haven't seen it from Adam Cole in AEW. I think he's, look, I'm a body guy, brother. He's really let himself go in a way that I think hurts his believability in the ring. I think it hurts his marketability. Um, 
and I think him, while his promos are still great, and he's got that Adam Cole charisma that everybody raves about, I don't think his work rate's been very good, and I think maybe some of that is due to letting himself go a little bit as well. Look, I'm, I'm a fat piece of shit, so who am I to judge someone else's physique? But I, I just don't know if he's taking care of himself in a way to where it won't affect him in a couple of years even more. Um, so I, I think that's sort of a major concern for me too. I, I don't, I don't know what the deal is if he's hurt or he's just sort of lost a little bit of a passion. But he's hurt. I've, Andrew's sources are telling me that he's hurt. Um, Look, either way, I think there's a concern about his physical condition right now. And so I think with that hanging over his head, it's going to be hard for him to advance over Britt, who, like I said, I think she's kind of eight, nine out of 10 across the board for me. She does everything well. And I think that she's only going to get better from where she's at right now. Yeah, if I can get one more quick uh, thing in here before we do our vote, I will say if this uh, we'd been having this conversation a year ago, right when Adam Cole debuted, I would have said uh, the sky's the limit. But in the last year, I've just felt like a complete disappointment uh, overshadow his time in AEW. Uh, so it's it's going to be really hard to uh, justify voting for him here. Uh, let's go ahead and vote. Alec, you're up first. Yeah, I mean, I, no surprise for me. I'm going to go with Britt Baker. Andrew. I am uh, also going to go with Britt Baker. And I'm going to make this unanimous. Britt Baker, she moves on. By God, pal. First sweep of the day. Can we get a sweep sound effect? Maybe uh, like a no. broom or something? I No. I don't think I don't we're going to do have very many consensus uh, picks like this. No, I doubt it. Might be the only one that we have. And not uh, to look ahead, but we're setting up a banger matchup between Britt and Roman Reigns. But I was about to say, I'm looking at that bracket now. The bracket's not getting any softer. These are the top 32 people. It's going to be cutthroat all the way through. So, Well, speaking of cutthroat, this one, I, for the life of me, prior to our conversation here, I have no clue who's advancing. Uh, Seth Rollins, Sami Zayn, Andrew. This is tough. Um, Seth Rollins is somehow keeping himself relevant with new things that he's done. Uh, the transitioning from just being Seth frickin' Rollins into uh, the Messiah gimmick that he did during the pandemic. Somehow, at first it was like, this is weird, and it wasn't working. And he pulled it back around, and he, it did start to work really well. Um I just, it's hard to say. I don't think that we're going to see a whole lot of slowing down from Seth Rollins. He, he's he been able to keep reinventing himself um, and being entertaining. However, Sami Zayn, by sheer accident, has done the exact same thing and has never had a bad segment or a bad match in WWE, period. So it really is all dependent on what we think WWE might do with him. Now, uh, with, if Vince was still there, I would say Seth Rollins all the way because Sami Zayn was always going to get continue to be booked the way he is now. However, it is seeming more and more likely that Sami Zayn could be a tippy top babyface in a matter of 
a few months or at least a few months. I I can see that. I guess it depends when we release. He's going to turn soon. And when he does, it's going to be uh, huge. So the the question is going to be on the execution of that. I, I think we've had Seth Rollins as a, a tippy top guy. We kind of know where he's at. I think he he can get bigger, but he's already hit the ceiling in WWE. So he kind of get bigger, fell back down and 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 got to his his natural resting place. Now, could he could he hit uh, another gimmick and, and really hit it big? Sure. I, I don't know, though. He's already so, reinvented himself multiple times, and he never quite gets out of the shadow of Roman Reigns. And, and Sami Zayn hasn't had that opportunity, and he might be able to do it. Are you, uh, so, are you calling Sami as the guy to dethrone Roman? I don't think he's going to specifically dethrone Roman, but I think he could be a, one of the next big baby faces in the company if oh, they finally sure. start using him the way that he could have been used a long time ago. So, so a couple things here. I think that <clears throat> Rollins, for me, his problem is has nothing to do with finding a new gimmick or character. I think his character work, his promo work, all of that has been really good since day one in the company. I'm of the opinion that his work rate really has never been the same since the knee injury. Um, And so take that for what you will. He's bulked up a lot and changed his body. And so I think the styles may be a little bit different, but it just feels to me like his work style's unnatural. Like he's works like a little guy, but he's kind of a big guy now with the changing landscape in WWE. And so that always throws me off. And I think that kind of paired with maybe some story telling shortcomings, make it hard for me to really get invested in his matches. Um, And I don't get me wrong. I love Rollins, but I think that maybe that's the difference between the number one guy and the number five guy, which is probably where he's at, like more in the top five and not tippy top. Um, but Sami Zayn, I mean, I, I don't know what WB is going to do with him. It doesn't matter to me. He graded out in the top five for me. I think he is as good as it comes um, when you talk about innate charisma in the wrestling ring. I just think that everything he does feels big time. It's hard to explain. He's got that it that something that's hard to quantify, that intangible, that just makes you love the guy. Um, and it, it's Daniel Bryan like, and I think if WWE ever capitalizes on that, you're looking at the next megastar and who knows if they will or won't, but you know, I, I sort of lean towards betting on the best horse as opposed to how the horse is going to be ridden, if that makes sense. Um, so that, that's kind of where I'm leaning right now, which is that as much as I love Rollins his ring work doesn't really draw me in that much. Whereas I feel like Sami Zayn does everything at the top level. Um, so I think that Rollins obviously has been a top guy for a long time. I think he's grown into that role as a top guy um, through obviously the initial heel turn when he left the shield, uh, which catapulted him to the main event. And um even though his babyface run 
from like 2016, 17. I don't think it was that great, but I think it helped him grow as a performer and learn what works for him and what doesn't. So now the current incarnation of Seth Rollins, I think is peak Seth Rollins. It's definitely the best stuff he's done. So he's definitely yeah. on an upward trajectory. Well, and so what I, like I just said, I, I think he's peaking right now. So in two and a half years, I don't think Seth's going to be bad by any means. I just don't know that. What else is there for him to do? He's run the Royal Rumble. He's won money in the bank. He's cashed in money in the bank. He's gotten every he's run you can the, get. He's main right. event in WrestleMania. Word. He's been the WWE champion. Yeah, there's not. He beat Brock Lesnar. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot more for him get to more do. Over. It, it's right. not a booking thing. It's a him thing, I think, at this point. He, he seems to be filling the... the He's the Randy Orton to Roman Reigns, John Cena here. He will always be number two and he's always going to he's going to be around and he's always going to be able to do big things or small things, but he's never going to be the guy again. He may have another title run, but it's always going to be in service of somebody else more than more than likely. Yeah, right. To Matt's point, he's gotten all of the rubs, so. Right, but He's you know who hasn't? This point. Sammy Zayn hasn't, mm-hmm. and like and Andrew, you just said, he is without any Seth. Help. Seth will be the champion in service of somebody else, and that somebody else is Sammy Zayn. Uh, I think Sammy is on a major upward trajectory. I think he he languished a little bit for some of his WWE run, but he's always been consistently entertaining, and I think he's finally breaking that that glass ceiling to the the top level. And I think when he eventually splits from the bloodline, how, however that plays out, if he turns on them, they turn on him, whatever it is. Um, he's going to be a mega star. He's going to be Dane O'Brien 2.0. He could be at least. Uh, and we know from his matches, I mean, we've talked about it to death, the Nakamura Sami Zayn match. Uh, fun fact. I don't know. I, I found this out the other day. The two of them didn't talk about that match until like just before they went on. Like they just did it. They just did that. He's just a natural baby face in the ring. Like his ring work is superb and it's, it's believe like you root for him even when he's a heel. It's just some guys just work baby. On a, on a, a personal level, I enjoy his character because he's in real life. Sammy is very, I don't know the best word for it. Gangly. Like he's very semi annoying and, and kind of nerdy and dorky and weird. And like, I don't know that, that character appeals to me because most wrestlers, that's not a character they go with, right? They are, they are bigger, they are larger than life. They are macho. They are this, that, whatever. Sammy's just kind of a dude who puts on tights and just goes out there and does whatever he wants, whether that's, you know, dancing like an idiot on his way to the ring, whether that's putting He's on very genuine, I think is seven star Tokyo dome matches. That's just what he, who he is and what he is. And that's the character that he plays out. Um, I think the sky's the limit for him going to the next few years. Yeah. Uh, this is a tough tough matchup this is going to be the first hard because i do feel like rollins given 
you know, eight, nine of the other matchups probably would have advanced. And maybe he will. Maybe I'm in, in the minority here. I just, I'm going to vote for Sami Zayn. I, I, I don't know how you, how you vote him out at this point. Um, I'm also voting Sami Zayn. Yeah, I'll, I'll round this out. I'm also going Sami Zayn. Which it's funny because, like I said, prior to setting up these brackets, if you asked me who would make it through the first round and who wouldn't, it, this isn't the outcome I would have gone with. It's just we're in a moment for Sammy, and I hope it. we look back at this in a few years and, you know, it makes sense. Um, but it, it's just hard at this point in time. You get that excitement. I think he's the most exciting part of the show on Raw right now, or SmackDown and Raw. They're going to be by on the Raw time, week, by the way. By the time we do the next matchup featuring Sami Zayn, his whole situation could have elevated even further. We'll have a lot more to go on mm-hmm. with it. Certainly possible. Uh, so let's go on to the next match. Bianca Belair and MJF. Oof. <laughs> Oof is right. This uh, is uh, as hard as it's going to get, I think. Um, so I'm going to start this one. Um, I'm So I'm going to be honest. I, I don't have in my head as of right now, I don't know who I'm voting for. Okay. I'm going to talk through this and see where I end up. All right. I think Bianca right now is one of the biggest stars in WWE, men or women. I think she is one of the main stars on Raw. She's one of the major watching points on Raw. I mean, heck, most weeks uh, since SummerSlam, she's opening the show or in the main event. Like, she's in one of the two biggest segments week in, week out. She's also been a dominant champion. I know like her first run with the title last year was mm, a little iffy with the whole Becky thing, which I think it did pay off <laughs> eventually when we got to WrestleMania and then SummerSlam this year. But Bianca is consistently hitting the mark week in, week out. Doesn't matter who the opponent is. Doesn't matter if it's a promo. It doesn't matter if it's a match. She is just, she is a star. She is I would say on the verge of becoming a transcendent mega star like Becky Lynch, like Charlotte and like, you know, guys like Roman Reigns. I, I honestly can't think of downsides to her. Um, you know, there was a period of time when she first came up to the main roster where you could tell she was still a little green. I think those days are past us. I don't, I don't really see that anymore. I'll have a couple downsides when I can. Don't worry. I'll help okay. us out there. Then, okay, let's look at MJF. MJF is, at the moment, de facto, you know, the top heel in AEW. And look, MJF's promos are amazing. They are he is firing on all cylinders, including cylinders I didn't know that people could have. And then there, there's MJF. MJF's character is just so amazing to watch. Now, part of that is, you know, we're Jewish, so he's he's kind of like the superhero version of us out there, um, like super Jew. Uh, and I, I love that. I also, he's... His character, his gimmick, 
it's really kind of the one that um, when I got into the business a long time ago that I kind of had the, the vision of. Obviously, I did not go the direction that he did, and I would have been nowhere near as successful as him with it. He He's, you know, I'm not trying to claim any credit or, or anything like that, right? But when I envisioned what I wanted my gimmick to be, it's what he does, right? But I could have never done it as anywhere near as well as he does. The only downside with MJF is the matches. And look, MJF is, is a great worker. He puts on the fantastic matches. But I, I don't know that I've seen enough of what I would call the five, six, seven star, you know, Tokyo Dome matches to label him as the tippity top uh, guy versus like where Bianca is right now. And I know that's kind of a hard, uh, hard pill to swallow, but I, I don't know as of today if he's at that tippy top level as she is as far as matches goes. I'm going to disagree here pretty hard. I actually think that... So Bianca's great. Um, we'll get to her in a second. She's got a few shortcomings, but she's she's great across the board. I think MJF is... Look, his promos, he, you already said this. I mean, it's their all-time... He's the modern-day Roddy Piper. Like, it's crazy. There's promo-wise, you're talking about Roddy Piper, Ric Flair, CM Punk, Dusty. Like, he is in that category. Like, rare, rare talent. So much so that he's talking about going to Hollywood, and I believe it. Um, but I, I think his matches are fantastic. His match with CM Punk, the dog collar match, is one of the best matches of the year. So I, I really disagree with the idea that he hasn't had those tippy top matches. Now, you know, maybe he's not uh, doing 80 flips to make you feel something, but uh, he's making you feel something. So he's a bit of a throwback in every way. So I, I could see that maybe not everybody thinks that he's a great worker, but he's he is a great worker in the context of his character and telling a good story. And maybe as a babyface, he might evolve his work rate a little bit. Um, but I do think that a lot of that he's not a great worker comes from the fact that he's working that Triple H pace to be more hated. No, see, it's not even it's not that. I get that. I get working that style. Uh, you know, when I when I'm joking when I say five, six, seven star Dave Meltzer matches, right? But to me. I, what I mean when I say those things is a match that to me is just memorable and that I go on that roller coaster ride of emotions, right? And MJF takes me there with his promos, but matches, and, and again, don't get me wrong, there's been plenty of matches where he has, a dog collar match specifically, but there's, I guess I just haven't seen enough of it from him. And maybe well, he, that's he doesn't f- work that much because he's an he attraction. doesn't. And maybe that's the fault of also a lot of his TV matches are very much, you know, there's not a lot going on in them, right? They're there in service of a storyline and not so much to have those classic kind of matches. Well, you talk about Bianca Belair never kind of always hitting the note. MJF really has never had it. I challenge you to find a bad match he's had. 
I think it's hard off the top of your head to, you know, think about that. But if you go kind of line by line, he really hasn't had a bad match. Like when you really get into the details of it. So maybe there's just a flavor that's not sitting right with you. Or maybe we just like different things. I don't know. I will say, if if you want to just break these two people down, I I don't think there's a whole lot of negatives between the two of them, but uh, let's look at Bianca Belair. Oh, shit, Um, I forgot my negatives. She's going to be a top star in WWE for potentially another decade, and she's going to be a global ambassador for that company for decades to come, as long as that relationship stays the way that it is. She checks every box that WWE looks for. Um, if she chose to go somewhere else, I'm sure she would do well too. But her biggest downside is that she is so WWE. Her matches are extremely WWE. They're, they follow a formula. She does things really well in the ring. She's really smooth. Her shit is believable. But it doesn't captivate me that much. Because you can see, you can feel it in the matches how how WWE is. She's got some of the Randy Orton to her, doesn't she? Like, she's definitely a natural, and her work rate is great. But there's a little bit of that underlying blandness because of the coming up in the WWE system at such a young age. Yeah, and the other thing is her promos are that way, too. Yeah, that's what that you was going to be my negative. She has, she's got those promos where you kind of talk like this. And you pause a lot, but you're not getting to the point. Whereas MJF really starts smacking you in the face like you're getting yelled at. You're getting schooled by somebody who knows what they're saying. And they're not slowing down for you because they're not reading a script. He's just talking and he's talking. And it it hits you differently and it captivates you in a different way. And so going to MJF, I mean, you can say what you want about his, his work rate. I think that his matches are great. Here's what he has that nobody right now in the entire industry has. He's the kind of guy can cut a promo on anybody at any time. You could take that promo, send it to your friend and go, look at this shit. And your friend who's got no fucking clue about wrestling is, is going to go, that's amazing. I want to see more of that guy. Very few people left even Kevin Owens really doesn't quite have all of that where you're just like, holy shit, I got to watch this. And ultimately, I mean, that's what most of the attitude era was predicated on was DX and stone cold going out there and doing shit on TV that made people who didn't watch wrestling go, holy shit, what is this? MJF has the potential to pull people in who don't even like wrestling because of how entertaining he is. And that is a huge benefit that nobody right now has in the industry. I think. I mean, you know what? Uh, I just thought of this when you were talking about that. The one thing MJF has that nobody else in the industry has right now is maintaining kayfabe. Like, it's very hard to tell with him where the line of who MJF the performer is versus who the person is. He is so good through his interviews, his social media, at we don't know who the real person is. All you see is the character. And maybe that's who he is in real life. 
I don't know. Makes everything and that's what lends itself to so -hmm. much. Yeah, exactly. He's so compelling because that he, in fact, there is a YouTube documentary about MJF's life, and if you start watching it, it'll take you about ten to fifteen minutes to realize that he's fucking lying, and the whole thing is a mockumentary, and he's fucking with you, or and he's portraying what's up, or is he? What do you mean? Where is he? Or is he? I don't know. Yeah. Oh, is he not actually fucking with you? Like it is actually real. I don't know. Fucking knows. It it, go. There's certain things that he does that eventually makes you go, "Oh, this is a bit." He's trying to make me like feel sympathy for him, but these aren't his real parents. These are just some random people, and like everything that he's saying is a lie. Look, so. Bianca's promo, Andrew, you sort of mentioned this, is it is what it is. And some of them are good. Some of them are a little bit bland. That's something that she can definitely improve on. Um, As you start to project a few years out, it's like, I'm sure she'll, you know, get better at that. I just think that MJF has something that Bianca Belair doesn't in the sense that he's got the potential to be a truly transcendent star because of the mic work because of the charisma. Um, he, like you were saying earlier, he, he can pull people in who aren't wrestling fans. He makes you question what's real and what's not. And that's something that only the stone colds and a few others in history have been able to do. He's got, he's kind of got that potential to be a transcendent star. Not just a WWE star, not just a wrestling star, but an actual star star where people know who he is, like a Ric Flair, like a Stone Cold. Mm-hmm. I, I just I don't see Bianca agree. ever getting to... That's something that's intangible that you just have or you don't, and we saw it from him day one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. One one last thing. I, the only negative that MJF has is that he needs to be a little less meta. I think sometimes when he when he says some meta shit like calling himself a transcendent star, it comes off a little bit clowny and it's like don't don't shoot yourself in the foot, just be a transcendent star. But like that's minor. All right, let's take the vote. Uh Andrew. MJF. Alec. Yeah, MJF. Um obviously the outcome is MJF since it's two to one no matter what. I'm going to go ahead and give Bianca the vote because I feel like she should get the vote. Um, but MJF's the right, the right choice to move forward. Uh, so yeah, I think that'll, that'll wrap it up for this week. As far as the bracket goes, we have a lot more to go through. Uh, we'll go through some more next week. So let's see. Bianca moves up. I also just realized that in our bracket, Bianca is spelled Bianca. She never had a chance without that C. <laughs> so uh, looking forward to round two from this first quadrant, Roman Reigns and Britt Baker, and then Sammy and Bianca is coming up. Or no, I'm sorry, not Bianca. MJF. I hit the wrong button. Oh, my God. You just wanted your pick to win, but it's inherently wrong. And if you're looking ahead to next week, we're going to get into some really good matchups in round one. We've got Cody Rhodes going up against Becky Lynch. I think that one's going to be a lot of fun. We've got Bullet Club battle, Kenny Omega versus Finn Balor. And then a little bit later down the list, we've got uh, the battle of the Quiddies, Sasha Banks and Bray Wyatt. Stay tuned. 
Wow. So I think, Matt, uh, we're coming up on Extreme Rules this weekend, so uh, Mm -hmm. we want to do some predictions for the matches that are upcoming on Saturday. Yeah, so let's go down the card, uh, and we'll just kind of talk about each match, give our predictions, and see where it takes us. Uh, So first we've got the Brawling Brutes versus Imperium in a Donnybrook street fight. Um, I honestly don't care who wins this match. It's <laughs> yeah. This is all about... It's just going to be a bunch of dudes beating the crap out of each other. Right? That's all it is. Um, which is going to be great. It's going to be a fun match. Uh, honestly, I'd probably have this as... If not the opener, I would probably have this as like the semi-main just as kind of a cool down. Mm-hmm. Um, but just based on the rest of the card, the rest of the card is a pretty banging card. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, let me go with Imperium just so that the heels get a win. I don't know. Yeah, I think that this match ultimately is going to come out to uh, the winner is going to be shaken up by the balance of the card. And that's really going to depend on who's winning and losing these big matches here. Um there's not really any stakes to this, and that's fine. It's going to be a fun match. It's going to be entertaining. Um, there is obviously a storyline between those teams, but ultimately what it's for is kind of irrelevant. It doesn't really rock the boat at all. Um, I could see the Brawling Brutes winning here if we're leading towards them taking on the bloodline inside of War Games. Now, that's really tricky because you kind of got factions all over the place which is kind of awesome in the in the uh triple h era we already got some factions and things are really interesting um but that also means that it's really hard to say where we're going survivor series wise so um i'm just gonna go with the brawling brutes here yeah i think i'm gonna go with the brawling brutes as well um it's a good way to get seamus some love without sort of hurting uh gunther um but uh, yeah, I just want to call out that I think Sheamus is having a really good year. So he really is, and like, I, I don't want to go too deep into the weeds off topic, but you know, he came into WWE really hot, kind of died down for a bit, and I feel like the last few years he's been back on track, which is is great to see. Uh, next, we've got Edge versus Finn Balor in an I Quit match. Um, I think this is going to be Finn's match. I think this is the way to a to put edge out probably till rumble. Um, but also it's a way to let's establish Finn as the head of the judgment day. Let's get judgment day for over more so than they are now. And it's Finn all the way. Yeah. I got to go Finn Balor here as well. Um, I don't know how they're going to do it. Uh, it's really hard to book a babyface to lose an I quit match, but Finn Balor needs this win. So I'm going to be interested to see how they approach it. Yeah, no, I tell I, you how they're going to do it. Edge's promo on Raw, he said the words "I quit" multiple times. They're totally going to do the Rock not, Mankind not, thing. Yeah, they're not doing that. There's oh, no I bet way. They are. Okay, well, I'm That's calling it now. Cheap. I'll bet you five shillings they won't be doing that. No, I, I, I think Finn's going to going to win. He needs the win, so they just need to make it work. And Triple H loves Finn, so. All right. Up next, we've got Drew McIntyre versus Karrion Cross in a leather strap match. Um, I I think it's got to be Karrion Cross, right? If you're trying to establish him as the new threat that's coming in, 
if he loses to Drew McIntyre on his first pay-per-view match, it kind of it kind of sinks the ship, right? It's got to be Carrion. Yeah, I, I agree. This is another one where they put themselves in a position where they you really got to give Cross the the win here, um, or you're going to completely knock the wind out of his sails. Uh, I think Drew McIntyre, despite losing at the last pay-per-view, can probably take another loss and be okay. Um, so I got to go Karen Cross here. I'm going to take Drew. I just don't think that McIntyre is a top guy and how many mid-card matches can he realistically lose? Or are they willing to allow him to lose? I just don't think they're going to let him lose. So I'm going to go with Drew. All right, next we've got the SmackDown Women's Championship match. Uh, Ronda Rousey versus Liv Morgan in an Extreme Rules match. Um, This one is kind of hard because, look, no rules at all. Ronda Rousey's going to beat the crap out of Liv Morgan, right? But I don't think it's the right time. They've shown in the last few weeks Liv has really... um, shown off what she can do as far She's as the extreme rules stuff. Yes. Um, you know, she had an iconic, I think in the future, we're going to look back as an iconic spot where she, you know, went through the table uh, a few weeks ago on SmackDown. I, I think they've built her up so that she can look credible going into this match and not necessarily be as much the underdog as she usually is. And I think that's to set up her winning. Yeah, I think Ronda's going to uh, win. I, I just don't think WB can help themselves when it comes to putting Ronda over. And I, I think ultimately there's not going to be any winners here, um, especially not the fans. Uh, but uh, wow. it'll probably be Ronda. You think it's not going to be a good match? No, I'm just not seeing it. I, I don't think any of Ronda's matches are particularly very good, and I'm not the biggest Liv Morgan fan either, and I just think it's a big mismatch of styles. Um, It's a styles clash and not the cool AJ kind, so I don't know. I just don't have a lot of faith in this one. So it, it's hard to say, but when you look at this match card, this could potentially be the main event. And this may be Liv Morgan's match. This may be designed She's on the to poster. have them double down on Liv Morgan, have her put in a star-making performance where she gets beaten to absolute hell and somehow claws her way to victory and shows that she is tough. She does deserve to be champ. This may be them trying to right the wrong mm-hmm. of what they've done. And it's something that I believe Triple H would attempt to do because people want to cheer for Liv Morgan. So... They're, it looks like they're booking a reason for us to. Look, they could make uh, it work if they really it. want to. I just, I, I don't know how long they're willing to keep the belt off of Ronda. I don't. Ronda doesn't need the belt. I think like, that audience reception of Ronda is really negative. Before. Like that stopped reception them from putting the belt on Roman Reigns for four or five years straight. Nothing, but but we're in a different regime now. Triple H listens to people and. The crowd is not receptive to Ronda Rousey. And now that doesn't mean that she's going to go away. Uh, She's going to be an important player. I don't see them putting the belt on her because I don't think that the audience is going to respond to it. And I think that Triple H is aware. 
Look, I think ultimately yeah, either one of these two should be in, in a title match given the depth of the women's roster in WWE. I don't think these are two of the top four women, if I'm just being frank. I mean, exactly why they, this may be an attempt to show that Liv Morgan can be one of those mm-hmm. people. Ronda's had the opportunity to, and if you're not feeling that way about Ronda, it's probably not going to change anytime soon. But Liv Morgan has an opportunity here to make herself a star, and I think that that's what they're going to try to do. So I think with this, you know, Liv's got to go over because, look, essentially, Ronda's still her first feud after winning the belt. We're still, it, it's been elongated, but she's still in that first feud. And I think she needs to come out ahead at the end. So I think, and I, like Andrew said, this is Liv's match. Um, all right, let's see. We've got Seth Rollins versus Matt Riddle in a pit match uh, with uh, UFC's Daniel Cormier as the ref. So I Riddle's got to get the win. Riddle's kind of look like a schmuck against Rollins for the last couple months. I, I, I don't see how Matt Riddle is not the winner. Uh, I don't think that this feud continues. I mean, heck, we've already established uh, on Raw. Uh, they just said that next week on Raw, it's Bobby Lashley versus Seth Rollins for the U.S. title. I feel like they're already starting to move Rollins into his next thing. Um, I, I, Riddle's got to go over, period. Yeah, this is this is, I think... Like what we were saying with Liv Morgan, this is a star-making match for Matt Riddle. He's going to beat the absolute shit out of Seth Rollins, but I do think they're going to book it in a way where Seth Rollins comes out looking really strong. I don't think that he loses anything by losing this match to Matt Riddle, given the stipulation, the way that it's set up, but showing that he's a tough son of a bitch while losing to Matt Riddle will help him save a little bit of face there, going into his feud with, presumably, with Bobby Lashley. Um... And Matt Riddle winning this match and showing how tough he is and how capable of a fighter he is on a more grand stage than when he did this in NXT is going to be huge for him heading into more Rumble season where he could potentially be that guy. If, if Cody's not ready, maybe they go with Matt Riddle. You never know. Yeah, I think Riddle needs it. So, I mean, all signs point to Riddle here. All right, and then the last match, the Raw Women's Championship ladder match, Bianca Belair versus Bayley. Um, I think I've started off every single one of these. I'm going to let uh, one of you guys, Alec. Yeah, can, you I, kinda... can I jump in here, actually? Yeah. Because it, it puts a goddamn smile on my face to say that I think Bayley's going to win this match and take the title. Everything about the way that they're setting this up, where we presumably are going with, with this damage control situation, they already have the tag mm-hmm. belts. Uh, and we're heading towards a war games match, which presumably they're like the only faction that exists, so they're going to be in it. Right. This is the opportunity for Bailey to steal the title from Bianca Belair and hold it hostage and go on an absolute tear. And I'm so excited. I'm just hoping that they cash in on it. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm torn in a way that I feel like. It's almost too obvious that Bailey's going to win, but I think there's times with wrestling where the too obvious result is the right one, and I think this is one of those times where if you're going to take the belt off of somebody like Bianca, a gimmick match like this is the way to go about it. And I think leading into Survivor Series with the War Games and just, I mean, look, Survivor Series really starts that downslope towards WrestleMania, right? Because you get Survivor Series, which 
starts heading you into Rumble and then obviously WrestleMania. I think having damage control kind of running roughshod over the division with the belts for the next few months, at least till the Royal Rumble, makes a ton of sense. Yeah, I think it's the right time to take the belt off Bianca. I mean, we were just talking about how well she's done over the last several years, but I, to me, she's gotten stale. Um, I, I think that Bailey's way more inherently interesting right now. I think she's truly the face of Raw in the sense that that's why I tune into Raw is to see what Bailey's going to do next. So I think it's the right time to give Bailey some shine, right? I mean, she sat on her couch recovering for a while while Bianca got to beat everybody under the sun. So, I mean, if you want to talk about fair in a new era, maybe uh, don't Roman Reigns, Bianca here, allow Bailey to run with it a little bit. I also think, Andrew, you mentioned earlier that Liv Morgan versus Ronda Rousey could be the main event. This is absolutely the main event. I think this is the match that carries the most weight, that's the most intriguing, that it's the biggest stars on the card are in this match. Yeah, and I got a couple thoughts about that because this feels like the match that should go on last, but you know WWE's insistence on the babyface winning in the main event. And, you know, it's funny, they insist on that until it's Roman Reigns, but that, I digress. Um, the biggest star, by the way, should be in the main event. I don't like the, oh, it's going to be their turn to get a main event. It's like, no. The match that people want to see the most should be the main event. Otherwise, everyone's just going to be sitting on their hands in the main event. And they've done it a lot where it's like, you know, it's, oh, it's it's their turn to main event one. It's like, well, that's not really how, you know, a competitive, that's not how sports works. Yeah, but it. we've seen WWE will do that with these, these like, B or C tier pay-per-views or premium live events. Yeah, they do. I just disagree with the, the concept. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. If you look at the card, right, other than the Ronda Rousey-Liv Morgan match, and the only reason I think that could be the main event is because it's the only Extreme Rules match on the show and everything else is another gimmick match. Like Alex said, Bianca Bailey has all the stakes. It has the biggest stars. It has the biggest intrigue. I, I don't see how you don't end on this. And I think really, if you want to get damage control over as a dangerous force, you have them standing tall at the end of the show with all the belts. Period. Yeah. I think yeah, that's I the image that you have when you go off the air. I, I'd said earlier that this is a star-making opportunity for Liv Morgan, but I think she's more that it, it will benefit her more to go on first when people are energized and excited mm -hmm. about the show and for her to show them that they should care about her well, and I, than to I try and it's... force us to care about her before she does the star-making turn in the match. It, ultimately, it's not going to matter because she's not getting to work with the paint set that is Bianca Belair. Like, mm -hmm. Bailey's got the got the way better canvas to work with. I, I don't see any scenario where that match is a letdown compared to the Ronda Liv Morgan match. I just don't. And by the way, when I was saying earlier that I don't think uh, Ronda or Liv are one of the top four women in the company, 
Bailey is for sure one of the top four women. I think she's been supremely underappreciated uh, behind people like Becky and Sasha and Charlotte. Um, there was a time where I I thought she might have been the best one. And I think whenever we finally do our, our uh, women's wrestling matches draft, I think she's got more of the top women's wrestling matches in history mm-hmm. than any of the other women. Oh, um, yeah. She doesn't get appreciated the same way that the other four horsewomen do. Um, but hopefully that's about to change. Yeah, I mean, this is an opportunity that they cannot squander with Bailey, And this is a symptom that, that Raw does not have any dominant heels on the show. It is a show run by baby faces from Bobby Lashley holding the United States title to um, even like Rey Mysterio and Edge consistently beating the Judgment Day or finding a way to to outsmart them in some way. Right now is an opportunity in both the Edge and Finn Balor match and then the Moral Women's Championship match to have the heels go over and start dominating the show again so that we can start building up stars to take them down because that's something that Raw desperately needs right now. So speaking of Raw desperately needing something, uh, one last thing to touch on about this pay-per-view, the uh, the White Rabbit is slated to either debut or reveal themselves in some way at the show. Uh, what do we what do Dude, we think? Can we define what slated means in this context? I know the what he's saying is that my sources have confirmed that there is a high probability of okay. the white rabbit revealing. So there's himself. also a high probability that nothing happens and we're just disappointed. The yeah. the last I mean the last clues seem to point to extreme rules, but Yeah, I I don't think WWE's gonna let this go on for another month. They're clearly gonna have this happen at a pay per view. I don't see them leaving breadcrumbs for another month. It just seems like a waste. It seems like a long time to do so or what or what's our official what are our official guess for what the white rabbit's going to be? Bray. Yeah, I mean, all signs point to Bray Wyatt. The question is, what what is he there for? What's he going to do? Roman Reigns is presumably not on the show, so he's not going after Roman, which I don't think he needs to right now anyways. Does he involve himself in Judgment Day, potentially? I don't think he does that, because Judgment Day's got a thing that they're just starting up with AJ, which mm-hmm. I think... If you watched Raw, I think might be leaning towards AJ joining them eventually. Uh, I I don't see him being anywhere involved with Judgment Day. I don't. I think they're their own thing. Let them do their thing. Um, I don't think it's Bray. Edge. I really don't think it's Bray. Who do you think it is? I know that your sources say he's under contract still, but I think it's Alistair Black. Okay. I mean, there's he been a lot more. Personally, came out and said that it that. has nothing to do with him. Now that could be a lie, but yeah, it just boy, seems like he would have remained silent as opposed to saying it's not. There's him. just been a lot more traction that it is him as of late. Um, no, there's not. Did you not yeah. see on Raw the sign that they had up that said "White Rabbit," but it was spelt with all the letters from Bray Wyatt? If you just rearrange okay, them, the consensus a few weeks ago was it's Bray and there was definitely an uptick in, no, it's Alistair Black. There was a little bit of that. That, that was because they did the HTML code with his lyrics in it. And I think right. that, that was intentionally to throw it. That was a red off. herring. They've, there's been a handful of red herrings since then pointing at just random different things. Like but what? 
I mean, I'm open to either case scenario. They both kind of fill the same role, in my opinion. You know, I mean, they've done it before where they've had these video packages for people that they ultimately couldn't get. Alice Sting and Undertaker. But again, mm. this is under Triple H. Should we give them the benefit of the doubt until they start doing the so same I, thing? There's something else. I, I don't want to digress too much into the meta-ness of WWE, but I think Triple H is getting a little too much credit right now in terms of like, Yes, it's Triple H has got more creative control than he had previously. Vince isn't there. Triple H has made plenty of mistakes in his time. So this like Triple H is the savior talk is sort of it's certainly yeah, yeah. I'm not saying he's the savior, but you can't do but that's been a point that Vince's you've made multiple times that we're gonna see this is new. We've got new management now. Everything's gonna go like a certain way. I'm not saying that it's gonna go a certain way, but I'm saying we shouldn't assume that it's gonna go a bad way. I feel like you're doing the opposite, which is you're saying WWE has time and time again done a Vinceism, and we know that we're not probably going to be seeing those anymore. And so I, far, we haven't. So it I mean, feels- it, it is his son-in-law. Doesn't mean anything. I mean, he learned the business from Vince. Sure, but one of the one of Triple H's first interviews that he did post all this happening was he said that there was a conversation that him and Vince had where Vince basically said, "Look." the way I did things is not necessarily the way that you're going to want to do things because the way I did them worked for me. And Triple H agreed that, look, there was things that Vince did that is when they were, when once Vince was gone that first week, they tried to kind of do the things the way Vince did. And they realized that that was not going to work just, and, and he didn't go into specificity about what those things are. That's probably but, more towards actually running the show as opposed sure, to sure like, but a lot of that but a lot of what the running the show good creative is good creative the thing that we've heard time and time and time again is that all creative start started and ended with vince all creative you know vince had a propensity for tearing up the script hours before the show and they would have to rewrite things in a scramble and what you're seeing now is that's not the case. Look, it's the same writers, but that's right? It's probably mean, the exact that's not necessarily same. a good thing, by the way. The Vince, fact that things are Vince now long-term up planned out. a lot out. of scripts and came up with a lot of things on the fly that became some of the best stuff that WBU ever did. Some stuff, sure. Look, and I'm I, and I saying... think having one voice filter everything out is important, too. That's what plagues AEW more than anything is that it's hard to... It's a very eclectic show. And there's a lot of different um, flavors. It doesn't feel like a coherent thing. Well, so if it helps, uh, Triple H uh, very recently hired a position called long-term creative where there is a person who is in charge of ensuring that there's continuity and and things make sense long-term. That's That's the person, and I forgot the the guy's name, but I, I saw an article about it. That's the guy that's came up with this white rabbit thing the qr codes and all that that's his doing so based on dave Meltzer. uh no i don't remember look i i I just think it's important to just because vince quote-unquote retired doesn't mean that you can't look at any historical data from wwe to try and inform like what you think might happen alec is this just a thing because you just don't like bray wyatt no it's got nothing to do with that but 
it, there, it's far from a sure thing that Bray Wyatt's going to show up. Just because everybody thinks it's going to happen doesn't mean it's going to happen. And that has nothing to do with Vince. There's been time and time again where they thought they were going to get someone and they couldn't for one reason or another. Maybe they couldn't agree to terms. Maybe Okay, but you don't start a viral campaign like this without knowing what the end result's going to be before you do it, without having that locked down. Sure, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's Bray Wyatt. Like I get everybody wants Bray Wyatt to come back, but you're not inherently wrong. Um, It's just the the matter of like you have to give WWE a little bit of credit and expect a little. I'm not saying just because it's Bray Wyatt that's going to be bad. I've said it's good that they're doing this is good. If it is Alistair Black, I think issue with your argument was saying that they potentially planned this out without already having somebody ready for it under contract, which I think would be. I just can't, could not imagine they them doing that at this point. Is it out of their own possibility that it's like a Cody? No. It seems like uh, a weird I, way for him to be brought in. It is I actually weird, thought about that earlier today. That thought You've got to have everyone mind. on the table who's not active currently who we expect to be coming at some point. Yeah, but it, it's sort of the way, like the kind of thing that they're doing that informs the sort of character that you're going to expect for it to just be the American nightmare after all that is like <laughs> it's kind of weird why were you doing white what's the white rabbit pal what the fuck did was that just well, that's event how does that's a white Vince rabbit pertain to Bray Wyatt exactly I, I think it's a new gimmick of sorts I don't right. think so it could fiend. be a new gimmick for someone not Bray okay, Wyatt Cody Rhodes the American nightmare right. is not getting a new gimmick sure. it's I mean, just that so much of the energy and the, and the vibe overall is seemingly borrowing from Bray Wyatt's style that yeah it's like, I mean there's been exactly whoever whoever it is if they're gonna go if their gimmick is gonna be based on what we're seeing in these these like promotional materials for the White Rabbit then they're basically stealing his fucking gimmick whoever it is if it's not him like, who a, else is out who he could be returning. I mean, is Randy Orton to, uh, anywhere close to? No, 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 no. Orton's not going to be back anytime soon. Uh, what happened to Dolph Ziggler? Remember when he was showing up uh, for a few weeks? Been, is he? He's still. Is he not on NXT? No, no, no. He was showing up on Raw for a, a while, um, and he would just show up and like annoy Austin Theory, and then that literally just like stopped like one day out of the blue. What, uh... Really damaging, just noticed that you mentioned that Austin Theory's not on this show. That's a little... Yeah, yikes. I mean, the bloodline's not on it either. Johnny Gargano's not on it, Kevin Owens yeah, is not. There's a lot of people that aren't on show. it. It's okay. Yeah, it, especially with it being a B-show and a gimmick show, like, it's obviously very constrained. It'd be different if those guys were left off Survivor Series, right? I'd be like, hey, what's going on? Yeah, I suppose Look, you have to I, appreciate it that they're booking. This is a you know a six match card, so you know everybody's getting time. It's not going to be a crammed shit fest like they usually are. My, my whole thing here is that I just want to consider who some of the other possibilities might be, because it's not necessarily great podcasting to just all jerk off Bray Wyatt for five minutes and call it a day. I just wanted to entertain the possibility. That it could be I just, someone else. I would like okay. to be surprised with somebody. Sure. Else. I guess. But here's the thing is you've now, without explicitly promising Bray Wyatt, you've basically been promising Bray Wyatt. So if you don't deliver at least 
that level. Now, and of, they could do, they've done this in the past where you bring someone out and then immediately, like they did the Undertaker Triple H thing where they sort of, AEW's done this before where they did uh, Brian Danielson after they did Adam Cole to where you think it's, but right, like they throw us a curveball and then Bray still comes out and says, Okay. And that could, could be Bray's feud too, because I'm not seeing anyone on the active roster right now where it really makes sense for him to. So like, I guess maybe, we don't know what his character is going to be. It almost it makes Bray, no sense but, for him to show up on this show. Yeah. So maybe there, it is a, maybe it is a red herring to a red herring. Well, maybe your theory is right in the sense that it's somebody else is the white rabbit. But then they come out and everyone's just like, what? What is this? This isn't as big a deal. And then Bray comes out and he beats them up because it's like, you stole my stuff. Holy shit. What if it's, what if it's um, Chris Jericho? It feels uh, like a Chris Jericho thing. <laughs> <laughs> He's done shit like this before. No, what if it's... Uh, what was the guy's name? Adam something who used to do Adam the bunny Rose? gimmick? Yeah, what if it's Adam Rose? Oh, it ain't him. I'm pretty sure he's in jail. Not him. Oh, Jesus. See, maybe it's the Velveteen Dream. Uh, that would be amazing. I'm going to need you to stop pushing that because that ain't happening. Yeah, no, it's too bad. He got arrested. We should just get somebody else like. to do his gimmick. The, just like the fake Diesel. Yeah, just teach let's them just to get, do a really good elbow drop and let them be Velveteen Dream. Let's just get Glenn Jacobs. Instead of being Kane, he can be the new Velveteen Dream. It'll be great. Uh, why is Glenn Jacobs better than Patrick Clark at this point? Are there any <sighs> premier free agents that WB could sign that would move the needle at all? That would justify something like this? Like, I, I would say like a Marty Skrull, but I don't think he's really... Ooh, oh, no. I mean, this would not. definitely he's, be he's, like in like line he's with been blacklisted. The, yeah, he's blacklisted. He ain't coming. That's but you, you get what I'm getting at. Where is, mm-hmm. is there someone sure. like that? Who is... Yeah, I don't... Who is? Like... This goes back to, we didn't record it, but the other day when we uh, talked about our bracket and coming up with those 32, right? We were going through all the names. I, I don't know. Yeah, there's not a lot of needle movers out there. What if it's just Brock Lesnar? <laughs> <laughs> he cut off the ponytail and now he's like, I don't know, some weird... See, so you know who... with bunny rabbits. <laughs> The problem is it's at extreme rules, so it's not going to be someone re- like it's not The Rock, right? Because it's extreme fucking rules. No, 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 no. But like it, that would be in play if it was like Royal Rumble. I, I mean, I don't know why The Rock would. I don't know either. Sometimes they just the do weird shit, rabbit. like when he hosted WrestleMania, and it was like we've got a surprise for you. What if it's Cena? Could be. What if it's but Cena again? And it's Ray? like, why is he? What's <laughs> why? Yeah, what's why? with all the white rabbit? It's shit? the extreme rules thing really throws it all off. Because even if it's Bray, it's like, why is he debuting at extreme rules? And to what end? To fight who? Doesn't really like. I, I don't know if there's him an getting obvious... involved with Drew and and Carrie, and I don't know why he would. But God, what if it's Rick Boogs? I mean, that would be. I almost might be okay with that. Yeah, you want to talk about a deli- over delivering? I mean, he's looking real good on Instagram right now. Dude is lifting a lot of weight. I just feel like if posting that's, a lot of flashbacks to WrestleMania too. As much as we like Rick Boogs, as much as I think Rick Boogs is is liked, I don't. I just don't know. Okay, we're forgetting <laughs> the obvious one too. What if it's just Elias? <gasps> 
I mean, he's probably got his beard grown back by now. Yeah. I mean, the White Rabbit could easily be Elias. So, potential speculation. (laughs) People are saying that it could potentially be NXT's Joe Gacy, which does do a very similar character that would be in line with this. I'm okay with that. Other speculation is that Alec may be onto something with the, the red herring to the red herring that it is Joe Gacy who in turn awakes Bray Wyatt by doing that would this. be phenomenal. I would be all for that. Or Elias hits that guitar riff <laughs> only to get <laughs> annihilated by Bray Wyatt. Wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. What if it's Elias? And he does the, the riff riffing each other. He, he does the riff. Hello, I am the white rabbit. And everyone's like, what? Then Joe Gacy comes out and he's spout some nonsense about being the white rabbit and we're like oh it's really joe gacy and then bray wyatt comes out and he just annihilates everybody what if Elias that would be too much because you're just burying everybody in the huh? alec you're gonna have to repeat that because what, what if boogs and elias come out together play some music we go home show ends okay i mean sure it'd be cool it'd be cool but, like, I, mean, I just don't but, think we're giving boogs enough credit here I hate to say it, the Elias thing, though, the Elias pretending to be the White Rabbit and getting interrupted by the actual White Rabbit sort of cool. makes sense because there's nowhere for the White Rabbit to show up. So it almost feels like something where randomly during the show, they could be like, we're going to reveal the White Rabbit. And it's just him on the then stool. It, and- it, the lights go out and it's just Elias. And you're like, oh, OK. And then that's when you 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 do it because otherwise it, it just doesn't make well, sense. Well, now I'm for the kind of excited because I feel like we've matches. got three to four realistic possibilities. I know you guys don't want to Malachi Black. No, I, uh, I get you. Black is a real possibility, I think. Um, and honestly, what we just did, the exercise we just did here, we were, hey, wouldn't it be cool if? I mean, that's how they book. That's how a lot of things get done. Is somebody goes, hey, wouldn't it be cool if? And then they work it out and that was sort of the magic too of the vince changing his mind last minute thing a lot of times it would be look the cm punk pipe bomb thing where it was just like they couldn't get punk to play ball and it's like you know what go air your grievances how about that like sometimes being amenable to just to like what you were saying something is cool it's like you know i got a cool idea what if we just do this instead sure because i also wonder like the Triple H Undertaker's like sort of the infamous misdirection. And I wonder if they always knew they were going to do Undertaker Triple H at Mania and they knew they were going to bring Undertaker back that night. But then they're like, what if we just bring Triple H back tonight too? You know what I mean? At what point did they decide to bring both of them back? What if it's Candice LeRae? Why? She's already on TV. It's a misdirection. No, I'm not doing that. Look, I just think if Bray Wyatt ever comes back, we better figure out who the fuck Sister Abigail is, or I'm going to. What if it's Candace LeRae? (laughs) It's not the worst thing they've ever done. Now, I think uh, I think Gacy would be interesting. Uh, Gacy's an interesting red herring. I think Elias is a more fun one for the moment. But I think Gacy's a more interesting scenario. I 
feel like it's going to end up being Elias now that I've, we've spoken into it. <laughs> and I'm not, I love Elias if they use him. I would hate oh, yeah, for him too. to be a joke. He comes out only to get overshadowed by Bray beating the crap out of him or something, you know? So but it, but if that I launches hope, them into a feud, it might be okay. No, because then someone's got to lose that feud and I would hate for it to be Elias. Here's the thing. I would... Elias can't afford like to not win his first his feud coming back. back. No, I get you. One of the things I feel like is if you're going to do, if Bray Wyatt's coming back, he cannot be the unbeatable monster that The Fiend was. You, It's not sustainable. Seth Rollins just said this in an interview last week. It, it's not sustainable. When you eat everybody, what, what else is there to do? Right? And then when he finally lost to Goldberg, everyone, it, it just, it didn't, it was weird and strange. So I think when Bray, if and when Bray comes back, he cannot be this unbeatable monster anymore. He's got to be a more of a. The first iteration of Bray Wyatt, I feel like was the best in the sense that mm-hmm. he had muscle that sort of protected him, but he was formidable in the ring at the same time, but he was a heel who could get his comeuppance, which is really. Right. But if he lost, it wasn't the end of the world. It yeah, was okay. It was beatable. Right. He was, he was formidable, beatable. however, without all of the other stuff around him, he was beatable. Yeah, unfortunately, that, that logic the... led to him never getting to win, because it was always like, oh, Bray Wyatt can take the Sure. Hit. <laughs> what if he comes back as, as roughly that same character, but the Fiend is more like his demon thing, where he uses it every now and then on a pay-per-view? Like, I'm down for that. I always liked the first iteration of Bray Wyatt the best. Um, I, I'm not one for the mystical stuff. Uh, you know, I, I, I just kayfabe only brother kayfabe only. So I, I, I like when they blur the lines of reality more than less. And so let's keep it in the realm of possible. If, if possible, what if it's Bo Dallas <sighs> to bring out? I mean, I'm what a believer. They, it, I mean, if they came out together, that would be fucking phenomenal. It's like the new Wyatt family. Yeah, I mean, if he's going to do a faction, throw Bo a bone. Dude, throw throw Bo in there, throw Joe Gacy in there, and that's your little faction. Yeah. I, mean, I could, I'm down with that. Heck, make Elias part of that, too. Who cares? Whatever. Look, for the sake of our bracket, I hope Bray Wyatt debuts this weekend. Otherwise, we might have some interesting conversations. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. I think that's going to do it for us this week. Um Please remember to uh, like and follow us on Apple Podcasts. Rate our, rate us five stars or you know four if you don't like us that much. Really like the five stars. Um, also find us on Twitter and Facebook. Such such good shit pod. You can also email us. Um, such such God, I can't say our own name. This is awful. Such good shit pal at gmail.com. Any any uh, parting words? I hope Elias comes back. Yeah, that'd be cool.